Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I want to thank you for joining me here for another episode here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. I almost forgot to go on Facebook Live. And as usual, I'm procrastinating again. So, Linda, I'm looking at your Facebook post, so hopefully you will call in because this is something that you have also wanted me to um, talk about and discuss. And I've invited some other individuals to join me as it relates to this topic. And I know I'm posting late as usual. I keep saying I'm going to do better. For some reason, I keep doing the same old thing over and over and over again. So I do need to do better with this. Now, today's topic, we're going to be talking about unresolved grief. Because when it comes to grief, grieving is one of those complex emotions that many individuals are dealing with and we struggle with. Now, I want to put it out there. There is no right or wrong way to grieve. So a lot of times what happens is when individuals are going through a loss or experiencing a loss or the death of a loved one, a lot of times there's a certain expectation, especially if you have lost a child or if you've lost a spouse or a fiancé, But like I said, we all grieve differently. Now, grief is a strong feeling, a sense of sadness, a melancholy in regards to, and it's often caused by a death of someone that's close to you. Now, I was just watching and TMZ and a lot of different things, they had an overdose of some comedians. Now, I don't know these comedians personally, nor have I ever met any of them. But just the mere fact that they overdosed by getting high on cocaine and fentanyl, I'm just like, wow. Then we had another actor that was very well known, played on the wire. He overdosed on heroin. Their family members and loved ones, as well as their fans, are going to be going through something. I was watching TV the other day. They were talking about Kobe Bryant. When Kobe Bryant died, a lot of individuals was in mourning. It brought out a whole lot of feelings, especially in African-American men, that they didn't even know they felt or even existed. Some people took the death of Kobe Bryant harder than they even took their own parents' death. That's how bad it was. But what happened was some of the stuff was unresolved in them because they have experienced so many different tragic incidents. So it was just a combination, which is one of the things that I myself as a therapist that I'm seeing now. And, again, it could be someone you know, someone famous, someone popular. It could be a job. It could be a home. It could be a variety of things. Because grief can cause so many, because of so many different events and situations, it can be difficult to give grief even one definition. So, again, there's different types of grief. We're going to be going into that. However, with today, and if we're looking at people dying of COVID, cancer, drive-bys, it's, it's just a mess. We used to say that things happen in threes. Now it is way more than threes. When I... Sometimes I don't even like going on to social media because I'm seeing so many people. I was talking to a childhood friend of mine. He was telling me that his Aunt Maxine died last night. But I asked about his Aunt Tony. And then when I saw he responded and said, my Aunt passed last night, I said, Lord, 
Please don't tell me that was dropped in my spirit and now this woman done passed. Let me go check up on Miss Tony. And he said, no, it was his other Aunt Maxine. So these things are happening. So join myself and others today as we talk about unresolved guilt. Information will be provided as it relates to the process of grief. As most importantly, when should you seek assistance? So let me log on my first caller. Good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. Is that me? Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule today. And I know I was procrastinating. I am still trying to, so if I'm on Facebook Live and I'm looking down, I'm still trying to post this information because for some reason I keep procrastinating. It's horrible. You know, and it's not that I don't want to do it. It's just that this is just becoming, I don't want to say it's overwhelming because I enjoy doing what I do. But for some reason, my phone's been ringing off the hook. My son had me get up this morning at 5 o'clock. I didn't want to get up. You know, it's just been so much. So how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Okay. Now, this is a problem. You know what? And I'm hearing that so much that I say, when I hear people say I'm hanging in here, I was telling one of my ex-husbands, it's time to sound like a bat hanging upside down. You know, sometimes we do the best we can with what we know. And when we know more, we can acclimate it into trying to find out another way of being able to process things. Now, you brought this topic to my attention also because there were some things that you had indicated that you had experienced or was experiencing. And we talked about this on some of our other shows, how sometimes when things happen, we can be in business mode or we can be in a whole other frame of mind. Like I said, I'm watching the news, and they were talking about 9-11, and one of the girls was talking about how she, you know, missed the fact that her mother wasn't there to go to her graduation. Her mother wasn't there to go to any of her events. And it's been 20 years. I was looking at my Facebook post, you know, memories. Just last year this time, I talked about grief. And now I'm talking about it again. So what do you mm-hmm. want to add to this when we talk about unresolved grief, or just grief in general, because we're going to be giving some clear definitions of what that actually means. Well, I mean, people grieve over the loss of a lot of people between the COVID or just plain people dying for any reason or they go away. I mean, grief doesn't have to be just someone dying. It could be somebody going away or it could be a loss of, you know, a job, it could be a grief over a lot of things. Um, unresolved grief usually is like, in my case, you know, I was so busy taking care of everybody the last few years over losing all the people we've lost and different changes that have gone on, making sure that they're okay, that I really didn't take care of myself too much. So mm-hmm. now it's my turn, and I'm doing this grief share.org program, the 13-week program, and it has a book that you can go along with, but it's, you know, I'm finding there's a lot of people out there that are, have gone through like what I've gone through, um, so I'm not the only one, um, uh-huh. but there's other people, but it, and when some people think of grief, I think, or unresolved grief, they think of it as, oh, well, I don't have to grief, I, I'm okay, I'm okay. Well, that's denial to begin with. 
You know, mm-hmm. so there's several stages of grief, as you know, as a therapist. And even like in a divorce, I mean, they grieve over the divorce. Huh? You know, uh, they grieve over the fact that, you know, they're angry, they're denial, they're bargaining, all of them. All of those huh? come into grief and even unresolved grief because, um, you know, and if somebody turns around and just, you know, it just says, okay, well, no, I can't help you anymore. Um, and they've been there for all that year, and all of a sudden it's like losing another person, or i got to go do this, and I know you really need my help, but I need to go help myself more, which is what people should do when they have to take care of themselves. I think they should take care of themselves, because how can you take care of other people if you're not taking care of yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, Does that and like make I said, sense? I mean, it makes a lot of I mean, sense. Individual goes into the freeze or flight mode. You know, um, the first time, and I'm going to say growing up, because I grew up in Compton, California. We experienced so many murders and and losses. I mean, it's just, it was just ridiculous. Many of us became numb, and I was one of them. I remember my daughter was teasing me one time because I used to have a photo album, and I still have it. And my photo album was full of people in caskets, obituaries, because I used to keep them for, like, souvenirs. And just recently, as I was cleaning out my garage over a couple of days ago, I found a bunch of obituaries. And the first obituary I found was that of my uncle, who was murdered when I was 10 years old. And that was the first time, because I remember my grandfather died when I was five, but I don't remember his funeral. But I remembered my uncle's funeral and the incident. And the reason I remembered was because the night he was murdered, he wanted me to come and spend a night at his house with him. And I didn't want to because it was a school night. And I don't know if he sensed something was wrong. I don't know. But apparently I didn't go. And because I didn't go, I remembered the young lady coming knocking on my door. I answered the door. She wanted to talk to my mother, and she said that my uncle had been shot through the kitchen window. And um, I woke my mother up. My mother left. My grand- she went and got my grandmother. They went. They came back. And when they came back, I could look at their face, and I knew he was deceased. But what got me was recently one of the young men that was involved in it had the audacity to request me as a Facebook friend. And this ain't the first time he requested me. And it's been over 41 years. And I don't know if he knew who I was. I really don't. And a part of me started to take that obituary yesterday the other day and let him see. Because when I told him, you might want to talk to these people, because I don't think you know who I am, but I know who you are. And he said and responded, I apologize, my Facebook. I guess he got nervous because he said it had been jacked. It ain't been jacked. He tried to tell me that his Facebook was hacked. How your Facebook was hacked, but yet nobody in my family you requested as a Facebook friend but me. And I never grieved my uncle's death. I didn't grieve it. I stuffed it. And then I, I watched, I guess because I saw the pain and I saw the hurt of my family. My, and it, I mean, it was because it was our first time experiencing that. And I'm watching my grandmother, I'm watching my my aunties, I'm watching my other uncles, I'm, I'm watching this, but I'm going to say this. 
they did not get the satisfaction that they thought they was going to get because they didn't get that. But I watched my grandmother have to bury her son. And that grief right there was like, okay. But how do you know, who teaches people how to grieve? Where does it even come from? What are you supposed to do when you're a kid? Because we, we got a bad habit of taking kids to funerals. and What are the kids supposed to do? Or how do we learn this? Well, I mean, you have to explain to them. I mean, I had to explain to my kids that Daddy was going to heaven, you know, mm-hmm. and that Daddy's not coming back, and Daddy's going to be in your heart, and Grandma's not going to be coming back, and, you know, it's going to be in your heart. And... um it's not easy for them to understand it. You just have to keep going over and over and explain it to them and hope that they do understand it, I guess. Um, and, I mean, I don't know if they really ever understand it. I mean, my kids are have some disabilities, so, you know, but I think they understood. Well, I know my daughter understood, but uh-huh. did they accept it? Did they grieve? No, most people, well, I shouldn't say most. A lot of people just decide. They can stuff it, and everything will be fine, mm-hmm. you know. And so then if they just don't think about it or they don't have anything that reminds them of that person, then they'll be okay. Well, I guess everybody handles grief differently. Mm-hmm. So, But, like, you're talking about this gentleman who tried to FaceTime, and you knew he was. Did you did you befriend him to tell him this, or how did you end up telling him? Well, what I did was the first time he did it, I contacted my family members to see if he had contacted them too. And I kind of put them in a state of shock because they hadn't heard that name in years. And because they hadn't heard it, I brought up old stuff. And it was PTSD right. for them. And I didn't realize what I had done. And then, um, then afterwards... You know, they was like, well, Jeanette, just block it. Okay, no problem. I ain't got a problem with that. You know, because my thing is this. They got to live through what, they, what they've been through. They they do. So what happened after that was, um, because, you know, I have more than one Facebook account. So then what he right. did was he went to my professional Facebook account and requested me again. And you know me. I, I, I can't. I mean, it's like, first time, I'm like, okay, I'm giving you a pay. Now, you coming again? Really? Do you? You really want to be my friend? Did he know who you were? I don't know. I don't know. He should have. You know, so maybe he just realized you were a therapist and he saw you FaceTime or... Because it's interesting how people... I wonder how do you get a friend request because I got a lot of them and I'm not on Facebook anymore, but I got a lot of them. And it says people I don't even know. And I'm thinking, I guess it's... From people who know people who know people, and then they well, Facebook must they send do, it out to people things, that sometimes they do show up. But I'm gonna say this: I remember his mother used to babysit kids, and I was one of them kids that when my mother was working and she was like the neighborhood babysitter and she was mean to kids. I was one of them kids that when they would all line up, she'll say, "I'll watch this one, this one. I ain't watching that one." Because she couldn't do that with me. I wasn't going to let her beat on me. I wasn't going to let her hit me. I was not going to let her treat me like she treated them other kids, and I would take up for the other kids. So I was a problem when I was a kid. So nobody wanted to watch me when I was a kid. So 
my name he should have remembered my name. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't I didn't know if he wanted to tell me something. I don't know if he's made like you said that you tell people who tell your kids they going to heaven. You know, heaven and hell both are real. But you gotta learn how to repent. You got to repent. So I don't tell people, you know, certain things you don't wanna say to people like, Oh, you know they're going to heaven or you know we don't know that. We don't know where they're going. Well, I mean, as far as you're going to heaven, I mean, to tell a child, oh, your father went to hell, I mean, I, I, nobody would tell her. I would hope uh-huh. No, no, no. I got to hell or not, would tell him that, 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 that that happened. I got to tell you this one. My sister. What? My, I, I'm not trying to laugh. Lord knows I'm not trying to laugh. My sister, when my mother was transitioning, my sister was praying over my mama, and I mean she was praying and preaching, praying and preaching, praying and preaching. Take this cancer, da 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 da. Take this. She said, "Take this cancer to hell with you." I said, "Do you know you just preached your mama to hell?" She said, Oops. "I said, no, you didn't just do that." You know. So, like I said, I had a pastor, Pastor Hannah, loved him dearly when he passed on. He used to say, I don't have a heaven or hell to put nobody in. And that's so true. We all go meet our maker mm-hmm. one day. We all got to deal with that. So that's not even what we're talking about when we talk about unresolved grief. Because the grief is sometimes you don't want to, we don't, We got to deal with that. Those that are living or mourning, it's kind of like, I like using the term a celebration of life. Because when I go to funerals now, which, like I said, I just went to one a couple of weeks ago. You know, I was talking to another childhood friend today. He was telling me that his aunt had passed away. I don't remember his aunt, but his aunt lived right down the street from me. You know, and I was just asking about his other aunt. And then when he texted me and said my aunt passed last night, I said, Lord, please don't tell me this woman was on my spirit just and this is what happened. But which it wasn't. It, it wasn't. It was another aunt that I really don't remember. But the thing is, Grief, grieving. Like I said, I like talking about happy days, memories, you know, things that's going to bring some joy. I don't like talking about sadness and crying, and and I, I don't. Now, today is Tuesday, and on Tuesday is when we normally do the show from the pulpit to the couch. Now, I wanted to do this show yesterday, but the problem is I wanted to make sure we honored a holiday, and so I didn't want to do all this, and of course I was cooking, so I didn't want to, you know, I figured I might as well just enjoy the holiday. But when we start talking about grief and grief being a process, you brought up something that was interesting, and a lot of individuals may not be aware of it, but it's called the stages of grief. You know, first when someone, you get the news, you're going to go into a shock. You're going to have a disbelief. You're going to be thinking, no, it can't be real. You know, I mean, there's still times that I will either go to the phone or be on Facebook or be, you know, doing the radio show and waiting on my father to call me or call in because he used to call in on the show before he was murdered. You know, so I still sometimes think he's still here. And sometimes even with my mother. Sometimes I still have, I just had a dream about my mother the other day with my mother and my sister. So these things do happen. But when we start talking about the stages, you go through the denial, you go through the anger, you go through the bargaining, 
And then you get to the acceptance. When you go to the acceptance, you accept the fact that they're not here, that they transitioned on. And then we go through the guilt. Part of the unresolved guilt has a lot to do with the I'm sorry, the unresolved grief may have a lot to do with the guilt that some people experience. And the guilt can be perceived. Your guilt is your guilt. No one can make you feel guilty or anything. And then we have the hope. Those are some of the stages. But you've got to learn and you've got to know what stage you're in and what that experience is like. But when you're a child and you lose a parent, because I've had and I've known children to lose parents at a very young age, that's complicated for a child. A child don't understand really what that means. And sometimes when we talk about unresolved grief, you'll see certain behaviors and certain things kind of manifest itself because the individual didn't take the time to grieve. Or even when you see adults that have lost um, children, or adults that have lost adult children, because a lot of adults believe that I should not be leaving here before my child, or my child should not have left here before me. So I'm looking at something, and it says, what does unresolved grief mean? It says, there is no definite point in time or list of symptoms that define unresolved grief, but unresolved grief lasts longer than grief. And it usually, it says, a usual for a person's social, sector or cultural background. It may also be used to describe grief that doesn't go away or interferes with the person's ability to take care of daily responsibilities. Now, Christina, that is huge because that's when some individuals start checking in on their loved ones. They start checking in on their friends. But remember, sometimes they don't do it all the time. Sometimes they may fall off. But when they see that the person is not engaging in their day-to-day activities, you see that when they've lost a parent, when they've lost a spouse, and when they've lost a child. Any comments in regards to that? Yeah, um, you know, like when you said you know, like what they're in. I mean, sometimes you you know you can go back and forth between the two. I mean, mm-hmm. even though I'm, even though I'm, you know, and then when you do a grief program, a lot of people don't like to go to them because you do talk about what makes you sad or what makes you happy or how do you feel or they ask you different questions. You know, there's a book that you work through, and sometimes you have to face things and ask it and it makes you sad or makes you cry but sometimes it's like I mean I still wake up every day and still don't mm-hmm. believe what's happened happened mm-hmm. I mean I'm I'm like today I woke up going is this really happening <laughs> is this really happening did I, did I you know and it's been I was like well and I didn't wake up I don't wake up anymore sometimes on the dates. Sometimes people, you know, they look at the dates and say, oh, it's the anniversary of this. And I look at like I did a celebration of life. And mm-hmm. I used to look at that same thing for my mom and my dad and other people. And it's like, 
you know, you need to celebrate their life. But mm-hmm. a lot of people can't celebrate. They have to, they can't, they can't look at it a positive. They have to look at it mm-hmm. like they're not here. And sometimes people feel like, and I don't know that I've come across this feeling yet, but some people probably feel like, why did you leave me? You left me. I'm mad at yeah. you. And that's the anger. Well, that's the anger. And then the bargaining becomes, no, I like take my life. Either. I'll take theirs. Bring them back. Or I'll switch places with them. You know, I want to say one of the um, obituaries I found in my garage was that of a lady named Miss Scott. Miss Scott was one of my old neighbors. When my mother first moved in on, on the street when we were kids, she was an older lady, but I always admired that woman. She only had one child, though. Her one child name was AJ, and he was on drugs. But she was a nurse. And I'll never forget it because she actually saved my son's life. When my son was a few days old, my son almost died of crib death, and I walked in the room and my son was blue. He was turning blue, wouldn't breathe it. And I grabbed him and I ran outside. I it went to my mother. My mother ran across the street, and the lady just pulled him upside down and hit him on the back, and then he started breathing again. But I would have lost my child right after birth. But Miss Scott was a woman that it was like i known practically all my life as a child. So I've always had other people come back into my life and pour into me. Even when I lost my grandmother, I share a lot about Miss Porter and how Miss Porter was so instrumental in my life with giving me books to read and stuff like that. So the other day I was doing a session and I was talking about the book. Why did I just pull out a book and the book that I pulled out, it was a book that she had gave me the, actually the day that my, my mother did pass, and I think I read it to you. It was talking about, and I marked it, and it was about crying because a lot of times we think we got to cry. You know, sometimes we feel that we want closure or we need closure. We want justice in some cases. We want answers. You know, even with, you know, the fact that my uncles was murdered, my father was murdered, I don't look for justice, answers, closures. I don't let it affect my everyday life. I don't. And I tell individuals, I don't condone a lot of people's behavior, but I understand. And who am I to punish someone for some things that have happened. But it seems like we live in a society where we're so busy pointing the blame, and a lot of times it's because people don't understand. They don't have a clue. You know, why are we? Why is these things happening? Why? why you know, people are not going to live forever. I was telling my daughter that the other day when she'd be talking to me, I'd be like, girl, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll be hitting 60 pretty soon. Some people are barely making it 70, 80. Some people are actually dying in their 50s. So, and some people have died before 50. So my goal, and I always tell my daughter, the one thing, I try my best to make sure I live longer than my mama did. I will pass 59, God willing. <laughs> so, and I'm not suicidal, so that ain't going to happen. I tell people I'm, I'm so far from suicide, I'm more homicidal than suicidal. So, when you when you what are you, tell me some of the things that are first I'm going to ask you what what basically brought you to the point to where you decided let me attend a grief group what what was that about what took you there can you hear me 
I can't hear you, Miss Christina. Okay. I'm sorry. I pressed the mute button. I'm sorry. I didn't realize I pressed the mute button. Okay. Ask me that question again. What got you to the point to where you decided, you know what, I need to go get some help. I need to attend a grief group. Um, because I was sad all the time, and I was wondering why am I sad all the time, and I and I realized that I had more time on my hands, and I never really, you know, I started missing, I don't know, thinking about him being gone, my daughter being gone, and when you have more time on your hands, you start thinking about things, and so I started looking at, like, you know, maybe I need to look at myself and find out because I was always one, like I said, to keep busy and do this and help others and do that because I think that's the way I dealt with the pain. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I hadn't dealt with the pain and I was really angry um, mm-hmm. that God took my husband, God did this, God did that, God did this. And that's like, well, was there anything, then you start thinking, is there anything I did that could have prevented it? But no, I mean, because you start feeling guilty, you know, but but I'm thinking, mm-hmm. you know what, there's a plan, and we don't have any control over that plan. So mm-hmm. I just said to myself, I've got to figure out how to accept this and mm-hmm. figure out how to deal with this and be able to be happy because I'm always saying, well, let's celebrate life or let's you know, send some flowers or do some things positive, right? Not mm-hmm. not sit there and cry. But then sometimes I think you need to sit there and cry about it because if you don't, you're not going to let those feelings out you and they're just going to bottle up inside. You need to cry. You don't want to hold it in. You have to acknowledge those emotions. I tell individuals, I think I am the only family member in my family that visits my mother's grave. You know, I take flowers for holidays. I acknowledge your birthdays. I, you, well, honey, my mother just won't leave me alone. Sometimes, boy, I be swearing she be trying to hunt the hell out of me on purpose. But it's okay. Even when I be doing my Facebook stuff, I be looking up like, ooh, I look like this woman. I don't even want to look at this. But the problem is, is how we process that. And that's one of the big things. Now, I'm looking at something, and it talks about, what is the most common response to unresolved grief? Now, whatever the circumstances of the loss, because a lot of times we get so caught up in why did this happen. I know one of my stepsisters, her, um, I'm not going to say I'm going to speak for her, but one of the things from I gathered was she was at and went to my father's house hours before he was murdered. And because she knew the man or had seen the man, you know, sometimes you, you wonder why. Why did you do this? Why did, did you think of how it was going to affect other people? And a lot of times we don't. But I tell people, ain't nobody working on football numbers to me. So some individuals, and I had a, my ex-mother, now she's always say, let them live, Jeanette. Just let them live. Because the longer they live, the more they're going to go through things. That's up between them and God. Now, good, bad things can happen to good people. So there's going to be a time to be born and a time to die. We just don't have no control over that. But a lot of times we do want to blame God. And I'll, because today is Tuesday when we do the show, I'll find some biblical scriptures in regards to that. 
when we start talking about the circumstances, it's, it's huge because that threat that the sufferer tries to deny or avoid the normal aspect of their grief. You know, I was talking to a person, and they were talking about coming up with the COVID vaccination. And they were like, you know what? Well, why didn't they come up with a vaccination for cancer? Look at how many people who have lost family members over cancer. What about tuberculosis? What about HIV? So a lot of times we want to figure out why are so many people dying of such obesity, diabetes. You know, we got so much stuff going on. Now, when we start talking about when the sufferer tries to deny or avoid the normal aspects of their grief, that's where it becomes a problem. You don't want to accept the fact that you may be going through some things or they tend to hold on to their loved ones and refuse to accept the loss. I've done service sessions with individuals, and I've heard stories of where people made a shrine out of their home, where they had pictures all over the place. My daughter and I, the other day, we was watching a movie on Netflix, and, oh, God, I can't even think of the name now, but the woman lost her husband, and it made it seem like the woman, that the man was having an affair but it kind of threw me off when I was watching the movie on Netflix because one of the ladies that worked at the school set him up because she was basically a catfishing folks with his picture. But some individuals, you wonder, do they even have a, a conscience? You know, do they, even, do they even feel anything? Now, what happens when one don't grieve? When incomplete grief is added to the mix, a person can overreact. That's one of the biggest things that people see when they know something is going on. When we have children, when I was working for the school district and driving the school bus, and kids would start acting up, you knew there was something going on in the home. A lot of times I didn't realize that the reason why I was so, when I was a kid growing up and the things that I was doing and people thought I was just bad, I was angry. I was mad at a whole bunch of people. And it showed in my behavior. But I didn't know I was angry. I had no idea. So individuals can overreact. And one person may become more dependent on a partner, while someone else may swing way to the opposite side of others and avoid any sense of closeness in order to avoid potential loss and pain again. That is an issue. See, like you said, you was married, you became a widow. Some individuals that become widows are afraid to marry again because they don't want to lose another spouse or they don't want to lose another child. Or, you know, I remember one time when I lost a dog. I didn't want another dog because I didn't want to lose another dog because that was painful to me when I lost my dog. So when we start talking well, about... Well, you know, that's, I mean, that is true. But a lot of people, there's the other hand where some people that I've seen interesting... Um, a friend of mine who lost her spouse went on a dating site, okay? Oh, yeah. And okay. well, she said that apparently she met a, a widower, but and he's just taking it slow because he just lost his wife a few months ago. And all I can, all, my first reaction was, what is he doing on a dating site a few months after she died? Well, but men grieve like, differently like, than women. Men will, that's right. They I say a man say. will find his next wife at the doggone funeral. That happens. They, it's hard for oh, men. Some, well. some men have a difficult time being alone. And sometimes they become the girl, honey, you think a married man is attractive 
to some people. A widower is attractive to people, too, because people will marry just because they notice that person is a widow. But some women, and this is basically some of the things that I've seen, some women don't remarry as soon as a man would because the woman don't want to give up her money. She may lose some benefits if she come up with a new husband where a man may not view it as the money being that important to them. So those are just some of the things that I've seen in my experience in working and um, speaking with several different people. Well, you could lose, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess they could lose it depending on if the if the widower has benefits or whatever. I mean, I don't, my attitude about it is, I don't think about it that way. I think about it as, you know, that, okay, let's say you have kids, okay, mm-hmm. and you meet somebody, you're going to marry them, and if you had a house and you had things that you would have left your kids, then to me, I mean, if I was to get married again, I guess I would probably be up front and say, I don't know what they call it, prenup or whatever, or, I wouldn't commingle money. I wouldn't do any of that. Nothing to do with benefits is the fact that if I want to make sure my house is left for my kids who are disabled and they need a place to live, I certainly don't want to just give it to somebody I just marry. And then, I mean, there's a gentleman I know, like, um, I, I met through one of the grief things. He had only been married a few years and his wife died. Okay. And then the family was all like, no, you know, we've been with her for 45 years. You've only been with her for three years, okay? Mm-hmm. So, and then they're they're arguing over it. It's like, okay, well, what? I can't even believe that they're arguing over it. But to me, I guess it's just, I would think it's normal to think that, okay, you know, if if he got if he's divorced or he's got his thing and I've got my thing, I would think that's normal. But I guess. That's not really normal. I mean, everything's different for everybody. I guess it's not the same for everybody. Does that make sense? It is. People view it differently, but I'm going to say this because I'm not an attorney. And um, even with a prenup, prenup only uh, only protects the stuff that's prior to the marriage, but even in a home, the equity, all girl, people fight over all kinds of stuff in divorce court. You just got to make sure that you're equally yoked. You marry somebody like-minded like you so that, that if something happens to either of you, you won't wind up in probate court. And, you know, even dating, checking, doing all that other stuff, and, you know, you hook up with somebody and y'all still start buying stuff or moving in, and they pass away, and then they family come knocking on your door trying to get what they eat. You're like, wait a minute. So it, it does cause a lot of a lot of friction. It does cause a big mess. I always say, you know, I don't have anything against me because I said I ain't let my, my son be my next weekend, but he's too irresponsible. So... <laughs> I am right. well, no marriage, but by that same token, I'm more mindful of those things because you're absolutely right. But then again, like I said, there are people out there that are looking for people that they think are grieving and mourning or divorced or widowed or, you know. So I want to share some information, and this was written by a person named Robert Tabali. He's at LCFW and Fixing Families. Oh, he talks about grief. And on Psychology Today, he talks about six signs of incomplete grief. When the grief process is stalled, it can take its toll on you. Now, one of the things that I want to share, some of the information that he talks about, he said, here are some common signs of incomplete grief. Irritability, anger. 
He said that over the years he met many clients who come to therapy for anger management or irritability, and somewhere around the, the third session they mentioned that their, to their partners or somebody had died. I saw that with my mother. My, when my mother, grandmother died, my mother was a hot mess. And when her father died first, oh, she was really pissed. So sometimes that anger and irritability is something that you see, and you'll see that in kids too when they're acting out. Um, another one is continued obsessing, missing the other person. You know, I wouldn't want to go on a date with a person and all they're talking about is their deceased spouse or deceased child or they, you know, when they start obsessing about what happened and why and the feelings, those, that could be an issue that they could be, you could see that they're stuck and they are on emotional rewind and they can't move forward. They find themselves dialing a deceased person's phone number or they replay moments of regret or cry whenever the lost person or something sad is mentioned. You know, so that's that's another one. And, you know, sometimes you see them watching videos, old movies, old, you know, their wedding. It's okay to remind yourself to reminisce sometimes, but if it's obsessive, that's a problem. The hyper alertness or the fear of loss. After a loss, life can seem more fragile, a person can feel more vulnerable, the world can seem to be unsafe. In response to these thoughts and feelings, the person may become hypersensitive and alert, now wired to prepare for the worst. So they just seem like they're just doomed. You know, they want to protect everyone. Another thing is the behavioral overreaction. With a significant loss, consciously or not, Individuals make decisions about how they want to avoid dealing with such pain and trauma again. When incomplete grief is mixed in that, a person can overreact. One person may become dependent on another person while someone else may swing to the total opposite and just try to avoid people altogether. The apathy, numbness, low-grade depression is another thing. And what happens is, they shut down or the grief is like throwing a heavy blanket over their emotional shell. The result of this emotional numbness, low-grade but persistent depression, a wide-bother attitude, they can have a lack of energy or drive or lack of motivation. You know, a lot of times we see that too because I always say be careful when your spouse dies because sometimes the other spouse be kind of like right behind them because of the loneliness and they're not used to being away from each other. Now, Completing the grief process, if you suspect that you or someone you know is or have the undertow of the past losses, however small or large, there are a few things that you can do. Get closure. Now, closure is not always good and closure is not always bad. One effective way of doing this is by writing your thoughts and of, you know, I say write a goodbye letter sometimes. You know, you could do something. How did you get closure, or are you still working on your closure, Christina? Well, actually, uh, the next session I'm in um, is to write a, a grief letter. They call it a grief letter or mm-hmm. a letter. And I'm sitting here thinking, <laughs> I'm not going to write a letter. I'm not going to write a letter. You can. You can. And you know what? You can cuff your mouth. You can say, why did you leave me with these kids? Why do you told me oh, no, you made this? No, I mean, I know I can do all of that. I, I, I'm just, I just keep thinking, where do I start? But, like, when you said about unresolved grief and, and overreact, 
I know that, and you know, as far as my, and that's been my, the last, while he was sick, and while I was going through losing a couple other things, I always overreacted. And so now that I don't overreact, people are like, well, she's going to do this or she's going to do that. And finally, I just looked at him and I said, you know what? I may have been that way a couple of years ago, but I'm trying not to be that way now. So stop putting me in a little box and saying, she's going to do this, she's going to do that, because you don't know what I'm going to do. Okay? Mm -hmm. And then when I'm quiet and nobody hears from me, then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. they're calling me. Like, well, where are you? I mean, like you usually call me, and I'm realizing that people were, I was calling a lot of people, right, when I was needing to be busy and talk to people or this and this. And then suddenly, you know, it's been a year now. Oh, oh, they don't even call me. They don't write a letter. They don't even say, how are you? And I'm like, really? And I'm thinking, so... Someone once told me, this wise woman said, be careful. You may know a lot of people, but be careful who your friends are because not all of them are your friends. And that's oh, true. Okay. And, and I'm telling yep. you that, that, you know, I tend to be very friendly and very generous. Mm-hmm. And that's how I've always been. And that's how my husband and I were always that way. Now I'm actually... And I don't know why I'm becoming the other way. I'm just thinking, you know what? I don't, I don't want to be this generous. I don't want to be, you know, because, and well, I don't know why. Don't, I don't know if it's because. You don't want to harden your heart. You don't want to do that. You know, just as we're sitting here and I'm looking at myself on Facebook Live as I'm doing this show, my friend Xavier popped in my head. And I always thought if I got sick, if anything happened to me, they would always be there. He would always be there. I never in my imagine, never, ever, ever imagined that I would have to be there and, and, and they would be gone for my life. Because if they ain't going to leave me, I could just do whatever, say whatever. They ain't never going nowhere. When I got that right. phone call, they was gone. I did not know what to do with myself. Even some of my friends was calling me and um, they were like, Jeanette, especially my friend Delano. I mean, Delano is still alive. He's still amongst the living. But even Delano was like, Jeanette, I don't know. Jeanette, I don't know. Because I, I've always been one that held in my emotions, hold on to things. Girl, sitting there about to cry. Good Lord Jesus. But it was just something about that. But what got me was when his wife was said she was angry because he told her he was going to live to be 100 and something years old. And he did. They thought he was never going nowhere. And he, we thought he was too mean to die. And then when we lost, it was like, what? It made me look at death differently. And then it also made me reevaluate my life of if I were to get sick, if something was to happen. Because you get to a point in, in your life where you start, especially as we age, we start losing a lot of friends. We start losing a lot of people. I think I have more friends that have passed and transitioned than I have the still here on earth, even though we can meet new people every day. So another one is yeah, getting the closure. That's, the other that's, one that, is, that is true. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is true. And I know as you get older, like, and you know with some issues that are happening with me, I'm thinking, okay. And it's interesting how everybody was there 
or everybody, I should say, a lot of people that I knew were there when he was dying or I lost the other one or I did this. But now that something's happened to me, you know, with everything that's changed with this COVID, I guess, I don't know, people are saying, well, COVID changed a lot of things. Well, like you said earlier, they should have come up with a vaccine for this or vaccine for that. You know, that's a whole nother. And people grieve over someone dying over COVID, okay, and, you know, are they afraid? They're grieving because they're so afraid of COVID. They're grieving about the people they lost, but they're grieving for themselves. They're people grieving for themselves because they're worried mm-hmm. about getting COVID. And I'm like, oh, and I, I must, I must like, tell okay. you, I must tell you, um, Kaiser called me yesterday. I went online. My results was negative. I knew, I, I knew I was good. I knew I was good. Well, you know what? And just so you know. I sent someone an email and asked why I had to go in when a friend of mine could get one mailed to her. But I don't know why you got yours mailed to you. If you just wanted to be tested, maybe it's because I'm going to, they want mine done four days before the surgery. So maybe that's the difference that you have to go in. But, you know, everybody's different. But, you know, what I wanted to tell you was. They want to make sure it's you in there. When I did mine and I mailed my kitty and hell, they don't know if it's mine or somebody else's, even though it's under well, my name. I was going to say, when they mail it to you, how do they know it's you or not? They wouldn't. They wouldn't. So, and that's probably but why you're having surgery. I didn't, I didn't do it because I was having grief. sexy. I did it because someone told me that we were together because we went to an event and they said that they were positive. And I knew right. I didn't have symptoms, and I knew, and I don't even go I'm sitting at home now, but um, that was why why you would be able to get one mailed to you when everybody else has to go to the drive-thru, I'm like, okay, but when you're talking about back to grief, so, and I was talking to somebody this morning about, she's grieving because she wants to go back to work, but she's scared because she's going to get COVID, and she's a bus driver, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, and this is what I had to say about that. You should grieve about it, but you know what? You have a job, and that's a whole other topic because you're sitting home getting paid unemployment well, and not doing the job. Unemployment ended. They're not getting all that, that extra no. money. It went from 600 to, I think, 400 to now. I think they're just only going to get the regular unemployment because there's a lot of jobs, there, and that's, that's true. But you know what I want to say to Christina? Um, okay. Part of the but, reason but why I was able to get my stuff mailed to me it's because I requested it online. If you go online and do the, I guess, the e-service or whatever, then you can get it done that oh, way. Oh, I know why. Wait a minute. Yes, if you qualify, you were exposed to somebody. That's right. why. I right. tried that. that if not, you haven't been exposed, it. then you can't get it mailed to you. I've already done that. Okay. Now, go back to you. So we're talking about grief and write a letter. Let me read something to you that I was looking at, about, and, it, and I don't know if it will help people or not because I haven't done it yet. And it says, mm-hmm. people mean well in the attempts to help you, but sometimes people's efforts make things harder, okay, mm-hmm. or they ignore you, or they're helpful to write friends and family. Uh, they call it a grief letter. So you briefly describe your experience and feelings. Okay, I can describe that. Pissed off, pissed off at you, God, pissed off at the world, pissed off at everything. You know, but then I'm sad. Let people know what you can expect. Let's see. Let people know what they can expect from you. You can expect me to be pissed off and shut up and not talk, okay? <laughs> because, or 
you can expect me to. I was like, when it first happened, I went traveling around, and I just did all these kind of things, and people were like, what the hell is wrong with her? She's out like but nothing happened. You need it. You need it. I've never lost a husband. I've never lost a husband. So I'm not going to say I know what that's like because I don't. And even right. when my, and then they my say, son's father then passed they say, away, we were when your father and I came in in 25 years when I went to his funeral, and I was like, uh, y'all go open up this cafe because I did not drive all the way to Arizona for nothing. I got to see this. So, you know, but my mother, losing my mother and my grandmother, so, but even then I kind of numbed myself. So, right. but widows, and I'm glad, and that's why I asked you, like you say, you're angry, you're mad. You didn't get married to have to go through this, but this is something that people still need to talk about. People don't want to talk about it. So it becomes un- unresolved when we don't acknowledge it. And, Miss Joseph, I see you watching, Miss Joseph. You need to call in, Miss Joseph, because I need to check in with you, too. So I'm looking at one well, of my they also say, tell them. On here, and i got to tell my brother. When you're, saying, when you're saying write a letter, it says, so they can provide help for you that best. So I guess you write the grief letter, and you must give it to your friends or people. So you tell them what they can do and say to find comforting and what's not comforting you. List specific practical needs that can help you. You know what? I don't know even to this day if somebody could tell me what could help me. The only thing that right. helped me is bring his ass I was going to go okay. there with you. So I'm going to tell you this, Miss Christina. Sometimes bring him back to me. Know what that's like. Sometimes they get in your way. They can get on your nerves calling you every day, asking you the same old question every day and how you feel and how you're doing. You don't always want to hear. I know. I don't mean calling you every day, but not even to call you like once a year or twice a year or once a month. They just fall off the face of the earth. But then they, it says, when writing a letter, remember, share only your immediate needs as your needs will change. And you can send or share a new letter. You can also won't get offended if you tell them exactly how you feel. Some people do. They will appreciate your clear instructions, but they they take guesswork. It takes guesswork out. If you don't tell people what you need, then you're at risk for not receiving unwanted for receiving unwanted help. And there you go, people, right there. They, there you go. But people right. buy that same book. A lot of times, people okay. don't know. You know, I really really wouldn't want a bunch of people around me. I guess because my mother, I ain't going to say she got a lot of people nervous, but <laughs> with my mother, and she was in a neighborhood, we didn't really go through a lot of that. You know, some people came to the house, they brought food, they, and they just disappeared. I was okay with that because I didn't know who was her friend, who wasn't her friend, what my mama did. Girl, I had no idea. And when my father died and I had to go to uh, West Point, Georgia, I went to the funeral, and I was out. I didn't go to his house. I didn't go amongst none of his friends. Little people saw me at that funeral, and Jeanette was gone. So when we start talking about these things and the behavioral changes and the pattern, and like I said, sometimes we push people away, sometimes we can be negative, some individuals self-medicate. i got to speak on that. Some individuals will turn and they start drinking. They start using drugs. They become they can become very promiscuous. They can engage in a lot of unhealthy relationships, 
And that's because they didn't grieve and they're in pain. And their behavior will show that. Now, another thing it talks about is considered therapy. Finally, because of all of this, it can be difficult and it's often tied to the core issues. That's when you know you need to go talk to somebody. And you want to talk to somebody to challenge you and support you. See that challenge. I'll never forget one time one of my friend's husbands passed away. I didn't know her husband, but I knew her. And and he had passed away in Vegas. And I was like, you know what? I'll go to Vegas with her. I called her. I said, "Um, you need me to come to Vegas? Girl, yeah, baby. You can come down here. We can go to the casino. I said, wait a minute. I'm thinking to myself, your husband just died. And you going to tell me, come, so we can go hang out at the casino? Really? So when they get the memorial here in California, I'm watching her. And I'm just sitting, and I'm watching her. And I told her, I said, you, I, I, didn't, I don't even remember how I approached it to where I told her that I knew. I was picking up on something. That woman told me, I'm mad as hell at this man. I am pissed off. Because I caught on when she said, baby, yeah, come on down. We can go to the casino. Most of the time, if you agree, you don't want to go to no casino. You don't want to go. But that's not like something my brother probably do. Because I know that I have difficulties processing my emotions. So while emotionally painful, the natural grieving process helps us heal. If you are stuck along the way, whatever reason, help yourself to complete the process. You've got to complete the process because if it goes unresolved, it turns into something else. If you're scared, say you're scared. If you're hurting, say you're hurting. Because I want to share some things in regards to what grief can do to the body. Grief increases inflammation, which can worsen your health problems if you already have one and it can cause new ones. It batters the immune system, leaving you depleted and vulnerable to infection. And the heartbreak of grief can increase your blood pressure and risk individuals having blood clots. Ms. Christina, I didn't even know that, so I'm looking at it right now. And I want to share some information. How do you know? Well, I agree with it because it's certainly happening to me. Girl, there you go right there. There you go right there because you was healthy. They say that happens when a partner that you've been with forever passes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't have to be with them forever, but most of the time you've been with them forever. Then you start getting sick. Sometimes they don't live more than a few years. And oh, no. I get I get scared because I have. Small, I have children that need me. That what if something happens to me? You know, are these people that say they're going to take care of them going to be there? You know, is it going to be okay? And you don't know that. I know well, you my gotta... son. My son would probably, you know, he'll adjust. My daughter, no, she would. I don't even know. I mean, like right now, even with when I hurt my leg, she's like, mm-hmm. "Mommy, you need to lay down and rest. Put your foot up, mommy." I, 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 I called a lift to take her to school today, and I took I went with her because I wasn't sending her with a stranger. And then she says, can you hold my hand? I know your leg hurts, Mommy, so when you go home, I want you to lay down and rest, okay? Yes, Brian. Yes, baby. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, that was and she's like, mm-hmm. she's like, yes, and so I'm like, okay. Um, but, and then, you know, yesterday she said something about out of the blue. I miss daddy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I know what it is. 
And then she wants to sleep right next to me, not just in the bed, but next, like right, right. It's because she's scared. And she's dealing, oh. that's how she's dealing with, I'm gonna, is mommy going to go away and I'm going to lose my. So I know that she probably, I don't know that she's ever grieved. She's cried. And she cries sometimes about missing her dad. But I think now she worries about if, if daddy left, because she always worries, is mommy going to leave? Are you coming back, mommy? You know what? And, so and that's what happens. Sometimes kids, kids go through that. And like I said, you don't always have to cry. Sometimes you can laugh. You can find joy. You can find, you know, I, I remember, and I shared this how when I went to my father's funeral and the guy that was preaching called out my name and said, Jeanette, you have a joy that's unrecognizable. I was at peace. I was at total peace. So it does different things to different people. Now, I want to share something, and it talks about, because we talked about how it can affect your body, and um, I want to share how it can also age you, because some people start looking old and tired. And it said they were following up with, and they looked at something, and they looked at how you really can be sick with grief. This emotionally driven sickness gets worse the older you are, a research report that a recent we talked about immunity and aging study, and it's probably the cause by increase in stress hormones because your body, you've got to take care of yourself. We talked about self-care. Now, I want to share this, and I know we kind of ran out of time, but we talked about the different stages yeah. of the denial, the anger, the bargaining, the acceptance, the guilt, and the hope. The bargaining phase is the worst phase, it's the hardest phase, stage, shall I say, of grief. And the reason why it's the hardest stage is because you're bargaining. Now, the bargaining phase goes hand in hand with guilt, and this can be the most difficult aspect of grief for many of us. If you identify yourself in a stage of grief, try to be gentle with yourself. You are not to blame for your loved one's death. See, a lot of times we Say, oh, Lord, I remember watching a um, Saturday night thing, Lord, oh, Lord, take me, take me, Lord, take me, Lord. And they did this little skit, and they had where the little Jesus came and told her, come on, let's go. She was like, uh-uh, oh, uh-uh, I, I didn't mean that, I didn't mean that. But we start bargaining. So we want to make sure that we are aware of that. Now, how long does the grieving process last? Different in the person. Now, the simple answer, grief can last between six months to four years. One study found that intense grief-related feelings peaked about four to six months, then gradually declined over the next two years of observation. It's different from everybody. Do your work. Don't worry about what other people say. Don't worry about what other people think. Don't worry about how other people tell you you should feel. Feel your own stuff. You've got to feel your own stuff. Now, grief work is hard work. It is. And a lot of times individuals don't want to deal with that because the grief response is often referred to as grief work. It requires more energy to work through than most people expect. It can take its toll on one physically and emotionally, and this is why we often feel so fatigued after a loss or why we feel very apathetic towards people and events. So I want to say, Christina, continue to do your work. I'm proud of you. Don't be so hard on yourself. 
acknowledge what stage you're in. Don't be afraid of your own demise because we all go go through it. Everybody go get their turn. So I'm not saying that you want to prepare for that, but get your house in order. Get it in order. Oh, my house is in order. I'm just trying to figure out, like, you're talking about it today. And every day I wake up and I'm like, is this, it's almost like I can't get past the, if I move past the part where he's really not coming back, mm-hmm. I'm like, I just start crying. If I talk to anybody about it, I just start crying. I do it more now about my daughter, my younger daughter that I lost, than I do my husband. Um mm-hmm. Okay, you know, because she's a kid, and I don't think, I mean, there's different griefs for different things, but, you know, um, I know I need to take take care of myself and do what I need to do for myself, but it is difficult, and for those that are out there and that don't want to do any kind of grief work, you're just going to make yourself miserable because it's hard for me, but I'm doing it, and I don't like it. And you know what, and I'm running over time with the show, but I do got to say this, because addiction is real. People are dying, and we've been talking about fentanyl, and even the more educated we become about these things, the alcohol, the people are still doing it, still doing it. I just had this conversation with my son, and I was so angry with him about drinking, and I'm, girl, oh, Lord Jesus, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, I, what happened. I know. So, but I'm telling you, the grief, you should probably do another one on grief, part two, on grief. Well, you know what, grief, I will do that. I will follow up next week. But I do want to put this out there because because of what's going on in the world and because people are grieving and because people are overdosing, and I've talked about overdose, I want to share some information, and it's coming and it's related to addiction and how unresolved grief can impact addiction. It says grief is a common feeling that many of us share whether it's grief over a loss of a loved one, friendship, job, something else, many individuals are probably experiencing grief right now, which we are. People used to say it's common in threes, but, Lord, I'm so sick of going to funerals. I'm so sick of hearing people dying. I'm I'm just tired of it. Now, as they no longer have a sense of routine or normalcy, with grief often comes pain, anger, sadness, all emotions, that people with substance use disorders try to avoid. Now, they use drugs and alcohol to cope with their stress and negative emotions. While it is normal and healthy to experience grief, unresolved grief can lead to an exaggeration of addiction. What is unresolved grief? We talked about it a little bit. Grief is an overwhelming sadness due to a significant loss. Most individuals who experience grief are able to heal after some time has passed. We don't say how much time, but they're able to heal. There are people or individuals who have had difficult times overcoming grief. It can affect their ability to work, care for themselves or others, or maintain relationships. Their grief may persist sometimes more than a year after the loss occurs. This is known as unresolved or complicated grief. Now, individuals may experience they can have a low self-esteem, they feel guilty, 
They experience a traumatic or unexpected loss. They are unable to talk about their loss. The relationship between grief and addiction is what I want to share. And this response to unresolved grief, individual may exhibit signs of emotions of depression, sadness, guilt, self-harm or self-destructive behavior, binge eating or drinking, withdrawals or detachment from others, changes in sleeping patterns. Signs of the unresolved grief are frequently seen with individuals with substance use. Drugs and alcohol may be a way to self-medicate or suppress negative feelings, but it can be hard to stop using. Low self-esteem and guilt are the characteristics for many individuals who have substance use disorders in addiction, and it's often difficult for them to cope with their grief in a healthy way, especially when it's unresolved or unexpected loss. This is why grief often leads to a cycle of addiction. Grief, Christina, can also be a relapse trigger for individuals with a history yes. of substance That's why Lost. I need to do a part two. And I'm, mm-hmm. I have to go to another appointment now. Okay. But I wanted to tell you something to you real quick that you might, might want to look at. Never let, you might like this. Never let go of hope. One day you will see that all has and finally come together. What you have always wished for has finally come to be. You will look back and laugh at what has passed, and you will ask yourself, how did I ever get through all that? Girl, you know what? That's my testimony. I say it all the time. I say I'm so glad I don't look like what I've been through because, woo, Lord Jesus, all the stuff that has happened so and going do, on the main thing. We'll I talk about it. Part two next week. I will. I will do part two of unresolved grief. Now, I want to say this because you don't know who you may be reaching out and touching. We start talking about addiction and addictive behaviors and self-medicating. Because grief and addictions are connected, it is important that you treat symptoms of both. Dual diagnosis treatment can help an individual process their uncomplicated grief and work towards addiction recovery. Now, I want to share some information that they indicate in regards to healthy coping mechanism for grief. Because a lot of stuff that's going on, drugs and alcohol is not going to fix your pain. Dealing with an unhealthy relationship, you might wind up with an STD or something worse. Now, the grieving process takes time, and everyone's experience is unique. So there are some healthy coping mechanisms that may be helpful in managing the grief. One, acknowledge what you're feeling. A lot of times individuals have a hard time acknowledging. If you're mad, say you're mad. If you're angry, say you're angry. If you're disappointed, say you're disappointed. Talk to your loved ones about what you're feeling. Don't be worried about being judged. Join a grief support group. I'm very proud of Christina for joining the support group. So they can help you walk through some of those feelings and working and connecting with individuals that may be going through what you're going through, even though, again, you're unique and what you're experiencing. But it's good to be able to share. Stay involved in hobbies and interests. Take up a creative outlet like journaling to express your grief, but you need an outlet and maintain your physical health. Therapy can also be a way to process your grief. Some individuals may prefer opening up to a licensed clinician, like myself, I am an LMFT, but you don't have to wait until the symptoms persist, come about. 
you can call a crisis hotline. You can, if you have a loved one that's um, in hospice, they normally can Jeanette, provide. Jeanette, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I have to take this other call. I'm sorry. I loved your show hey, today, and I will join it next week. <laughs> All right, I thought you was gone already. <laughs> okay, so again, um, you don't have to wait, and you can seek assistance. If you or someone you know is experiencing symptoms of addiction due to unresolved grief, you can contact what they call the Pyramid Healthcare for help, and they offer addiction and mental health, leveraging teletherapy capacity or capabilities during COVID-19. So a lot of times individuals say, well, I don't want to do Zoom. I don't want to do telehealth. Whatever's going to work, let it out. Work through it. I know I do not tell people you go get over things. But I will say, you can't get through it. It's been 13 years since my mom passed. It's been, oh, Lord Jesus, 41 years, about 41 years since my uncle passed, somewhere around up in there. But by that same token, no, it was actually 40 years. Maybe this is, the, yeah, something like that. But the anniversary was 40, oh, God, I can't think right now. But by that same token, you can get through some of these feelings by processing some of these feelings, find you a good support group, find you someone to work with. Don't get stuck. Don't stop living. Live your life to the fullest. But be mindful, be careful, but be honest with yourself. So I want to thank you for joining me here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio as we talked about unresolved grief. I want to talk about them, talk about grief again next week. Because we need to know. When you know better, you do better. Because like I said, individuals are going through the anniversary of 9-11. I know my goddaughter is going to be going through the anniversary of her father being murdered. A lot of people are going to be going through some things. Drugs and alcohol is not the answer, especially when people are overdosing and dying from drugs being laced with fentanyl. Figure out what, find out what's going on. Open your eyes and stop trying to numb yourself. Again, thank you for joining me here at Pressure Predicaments Block Talk Radio. Until next week, remember, you got this. Lord, why am I putting my finger on the doggone thing like I'm trying to wait on a computer and it's on my iPad? So, <laughs> I got to work on that. So, again, thank you for joining me. 